You're listening to Privacy Files, the podcast that makes privacy approachable for businesses and consumers alike. This episode is brought to you by Anonymy Labs, makers of MySudo, the world's only all-in-one privacy app. And Sudo Platform, the cloud-based platform companies turn to for seamlessly integrating privacy solutions into their software. Welcome to episode number 15 of Privacy Files. I'm Rich. And I'm Sarah. In our last episode, Sarah and I surveyed the world of social engineering attacks, showing that the human is oftentimes the weakest link in the security chain. Today, we're kicking off a two-part series by immersing ourselves into the culture of TikTok, from its meteoric rise onto the world stage and the influence it wields on society's youth, to data privacy concerns, and even questions about its true purpose. TikTok, whether you like it or not, has become a cultural phenomenon. Sarah, before we dive into the TikTok story, this news article about Google offering a privacy-focused ad tracking solution on Android, it's a a beta version, and they're saying this is kind of the answer to Apple's ATT, which I guess has been out for a year or so now, where they're giving... They're giving iPhone users the opportunity to opt out of basically cross-app tracking. So Google is saying that they pull a list of your top interests based on usage, and then they compare that to a database from the, the what they're calling the Interactive Advertising Bureau and Google's data. So it's already starting to sound scary. <laughs> it's already data. And partner publishers can then ping the API, which responds with the list of interests to help serve relevant ads without sharing, as they say, overly intrusive information. Yeah. Subjective. (laughs) Guess what? They just determined that. Well, Google says the stored interests are, quote, kept for only three weeks and old topics are deleted. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) I have trust issues. You know where I go. (laughs) And in addition, the data and processing, they say, are done on device, quote, without involving any external servers, including Google servers. So if you believe it, they also characterize in this article, basically, it's kind of a privacy versus advertising arms race. And when platforms like iOS block the old ways of profiting from ads, advertisers can and do resort to tactics such as fingerprinting, which is you know, collecting information such as your device type, operating system that you're using, and other things that I, I believe are technically against Apple's rules, but they have not really necessarily been enforcing them. So it's a gray area, if you will. But nonetheless, this is Google's answer to help advertisers continue to to provide targeted advertising while in some way, as they say, protect your privacy. Well, I hope they are. I'm sort of always that realistic point of view where I'm like, expect the worst, but hope for the best. You know, I'm going to hope for the best. But if it doesn't go as it says, I'm not going to be surprised. Exactly. Well, Sarah, I've been waiting to cover this topic for a while now. Lots of opinions on this TikTok app. Also, we're welcoming back Chrisula, who's in studio with us to give us a little perspective on TikTok from a Gen Z point of view. Welcome back. Thank you. Basically, what we're doing here is we're reviewing a a documentary that's called The Insane Truth About TikTok. It's not a terribly long documentary, but it's packed full of information. Sarah, let's open up a case file on TikTok. So a little bit of background on TikTok. ByteDance was launched in 2012 by an individual named Zhang, I think, Yiming, I believe. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. 
And it was essentially like you would imagine with Steve Jobs creating Apple, right? Something kind of like in a garage or a little room. Wasn't much compared to this empire that ByteDance is today. And then they created, I guess, a news app. You might have to help me with this one. It's Tao Tiao. Totiao. Totiao. Okay. And that was basically like for headline news. Right. And I think the gist of this, which really made it a kind of a differentiator for ByteDance was the algorithm was so powerful, right? Right. And so I guess Zhang is sitting there thinking to himself, wow, this algorithm is so great. Why stop at just news? Let's let's take this and move it on to something better. And then so now we have, and again, you might have to help me here. Du Yin. Du Yin. So that is the Chinese version of TikTok as we know it in the United States. That was released in September of 2016. Now, the international version, as we know it, which is TikTok, was launched in 2017 for both iOS and Android in most markets outside of mainland China. However, it did become available worldwide only after merging with another Chinese social media service called Musical.ly, and that was done on uh, the 2nd of August in 2018. Now, similar to Facebook and most other social media platforms, TikTok has been subject, of course, to a lot of criticism over many things, such as psychological effects, addiction, controversies regarding inappropriate content, misinformation. I think there's body positivity issues, you know, eating disorders, on and on and on. Censorship, of course, moderation, and, and most importantly, is related to this topic is user privacy. So I guess maybe to help the audience here put things in perspective, what about the statistics? Yeah, before we jump in, I liked the way this documentary was, he split it into eight chapters, which is what we're doing here. We're going to kind of split these up. It helps to sort of focus on the topics, give you guys some good information. So starting with some stats before we jump into chapter one, um, as of 2023, TikTok has over 1.53 billion users with a B. And out of that, one and a half billion users, 1 billion are actually monthly active users. That's pretty impressive to have, you know, almost 70% of your users who have downloaded your app using it consistently. That's what every app creator really strives for, those daily and monthly active users. So although their numbers are impressive, it actually rates number six on the list of social apps with more monthly active users. So the first one is obviously we've got Facebook. It has 2.9 billion monthly active users. YouTube has two and a half billion. WhatsApp has 2 billion monthly active users. Instagram has 1.4 billion. And just above TikTok is WeChat at 1.2 billion monthly active users. So it's not something still that big tech is really ignoring, though, because TikTok is still growing and still gaining momentum every year. So of the 5.07 billion internet users around the world, over 30% use TikTok. That's insane. And in 2022, TikTok was the most downloaded application with 672 million global downloads. As an app company, that's just insane. Um, So the revenue stats are, of course, really impressive. TikTok's ad revenue alone made them over 11 billion just last year. That's with a B. We're still in the Bs. So and now because they're a private company, it's hard to know exactly how much the company is worth. But people are suggesting its net worth could be close to 75 billion. Those figures are still a lot less than Facebook and Meta, which are around 300 to 450 billion last I checked. But some do think um, they're ex- TikTok's expected to surpass Meta by 2027. So I wanted to check some user statistics. So 57% of TikTok users are females, which leaves 43% are males. 
And the majority of users are between the ages of 19 to 29. And currently, I think as it sits, Snapchat is the most used social media app by Gen Z. However, it's predicted by it says by 2023. So here we are in this year, we'll see how it goes that TikTok will surpass Snapchat. And I think you've got some stats coming up on Gen Z. But so the last stats are around how much time TikTok users are spending on the app. So the average session length, which is every time someone opens the app, is they're on it for just over 10 minutes each time they've opened the app. So statistically, this makes TikTok the most engaging social networking app currently available. So breaking down the time spent in the app can really shed some light on where people are focusing their time. So here we go. So the average user spends one and a half hours a day on TikTok. Sadly, that can feel sometimes like what my Instagram usage looks like on a heavy day. But I regularly I, you know, I've mentioned before, I check my battery usage on my phone to keep tabs on my screen time. But when you calculate this out further, so that's 10 and a half hours per week on TikTok. 45 hours per month on the app. And so over a year, 547 and a half hours, which that's almost 23 days of your year spent on the app. That just, it adds up so fast. So it's just crazy to think about what people were doing with their time before social media, right? So Chrisula, do those stats sound about right for you? And how often are you on TikTok? Yeah, those do. I mean, unfortunately sound, I think, accurate. I wouldn't say I spend that much time on TikTok anymore. When I first downloaded the app, I was totally sucked into the whole probably spending that scary amount a day or a week. But I think now the more I've become more and more busy, I don't spend as much on the app. But I do when I have free time, I do like going on it and I can totally get sucked in. And I like getting sucked in sometimes because like <laughs> you said, they make it personally for you. Every feed, every video you watch, it's like just for you and you can easily get sucked in. So like I said, it's not as much as it used to be because I have been busier. But when I have free time, I do like going on it sometimes. When, when you first started, like when you downloaded the app, did you notice how quickly it was able to figure out the types of videos that you like? Do you remember? Yeah, actually, I do remember that being pretty quick. I think at first, like my For You page was just standard, like everybody's For You page. And then the more I specifically start watching certain videos or like hacks or things like that, those specific things, and my feed started slowly getting more and more custom to me or videos my friends would send to me like on messaging through TikTok, then I would slowly start getting more and more of those. And so my feed did become pretty quickly personalized just for me. It's and addictive. I, yeah. And I kind of feel that way, like with my Instagram, sometimes I'll be you you just stop too long on one cat video and all of a sudden you're getting a bunch of cat <laughs> videos. But I think what we'll learn here through some of these chapters we'll go through is it's just at the speed at what they're doing it and how much data that they're collecting. Yeah. And a little bit too about Gen Z. So Adweek published this article last year in August talking about how Google and better watch out because Gen Z is now using TikTok as its go-to search engine. So nearly 40% of Gen Z now prefer using TikTok and Instagram for search over Google. And they what they're saying is, is they'd like more. And maybe, Chrisula, you can speak to this is I guess they prefer to have more visual elements in the search. Yeah, I there are certain things where I'll always just go to Google for basic things. But TikTok, like if I'm searching food places, you know, local restaurants nearby me, I'll search it in TikTok and then you'll have all these people specifically going to these restaurants and they'll show the pictures of the food and it's it seems more organic than just google search results like search results of a restaurant so i've actually found like some awesome places 
you know, just through TikTok. So like I said, it, it could be totally a search engine depending what you're looking for. And, and it shows the location too. So it's oh, yeah. tied in. So it's just It'll like be that. like best restaurants in this city. And then they'll show all these specific things depending what food you want. And then they'll, and I got this and it was so good or this wasn't good. But it's awesome because then you actually get exposed to all these things. So it's kind of a balance. There's good and bad, of course, to it because you can learn a lot. But this is going to be a double edged sword having her on today because I haven't even downloaded the app and I don't want to get tempted. <laughs> but that's because I, I just don't even know what it's capable of doing. I haven't opened it, you know, so that's like she's like my resource. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, don't tell me things like that because I do. I just use Google, but I didn't know it had that kind of capability. Yeah. And they mentioned, too, about what, what Crystal is talking about, that Gen Z likes to use TikTok for discovery. So essentially, you're just looking for different things. And it, it mentioned, too, a little bit in the article, not to get too in, into depth, but that Google seems to be a lot more controlled about what the research results are. And, and yeah. Gen Z kind of likes that TikTok seems to be a lot more organic and it's, it's, you know, your, your experience might not be the same thing as your friend's experience. And they also said too, that uh, Gen Z likes to use Google more for more serious information and maybe to validate something that you saw on TikTok or another platform. Is that, does that sound about how you use uh, TikTok, Priscilla? I don't say it. I mean, sometimes I think I'll look on Google to make sure something I saw on TikTok is legit and it's not just a scam or things like that. Or if there's like a crazy statistic, I'm like, is that real? Or I'll go on to Google or try to do more online research on it. But yeah, I do find a ton of stuff from TikTok. And like you said, since they make it personally for you, you're learning statistics and really cool things like you would want to know. And I think they do that for everybody. And that's kind of how it becomes this organic search. Kind of could be dangerous. I sort of think of that confirmation bias that we've talked about where they're only going to show you the things that sort of validate what you already believe. So it's like, are you getting... <laughs> you know, every, ever going to get sort of both sides to the story of your search, but I maybe I just need to like, look at somebody's phone to how these searches are. So it doesn't sound like it's like you're looking for visual content and ideas, maybe for recipes or tips or things like that food, food restaurants or, but you're not like with Google, I'm going to actually find information and in news articles and data. I'm guessing that sort of stuff is not what you're finding on TikTok yet. Right. <laughs> I actually do think you can find that stuff on TikTok though, which is interesting because half the things I do see on TikTok, I'm like, I had no idea a lot of these things. And I think TikTok in a way, it's like the whole world is sharing this like group message and everyone's sharing these things they know or these hacks they know, or everyone I feel like has something that they know that someone else doesn't. And they're almost helping or showing information. And sometimes you can learn from it. Of course, sometimes it can be bad or it's personally just trying to change what your opinion is. But I do think there's a balance because there's sometimes like articles or like a cool, crazy story. I'm like, I had no idea. And it could be things I'm not necessarily agreeing with or not. But you kind of do see both sides on it. But then again, like your feed will slowly become more and more like I think the more you get sucked into watching a specific thing. So you do have to be careful on that because your feed can quickly, I think, become all one sided. And I think with any social media, I think people have to be careful about using it as their sole news source, you know, to say like, well, well, cause it's a bunch of content creators. They're just creating something they saw, or, you know, it's like, you can't always hold everything we see on Instagram or TikTok to just be 100% truth. You do need to go search out other resources, find a legitimate study, find, you know, don't just take right. his word for it. Make sure you go look for studies and research. I guess, Crisula, what you're saying is beyond just the the funny videos, the dance videos, cat videos, whatever. There are things that you do get out of it that are educational too. Oh, for sure. Is it is what is it like how to things? I mean, what kind of videos do you do you find helpful? 
Yeah, I think a lot of how to's, life hacks, and sometimes it's bad because there will be like these products on Amazon or whatever that help you with driving or things like that or your car. I think like stupid things sometimes, but they are like kind of awesome products that you didn't know you needed. And then once you have it, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so much better. Like your life, it's easier when you use these things. Or I remember I saw this one video and it was like, how to defrost your windshield in like two seconds. And it's a bag of just hot water and you just rub it on your windshield and it immediately goes away. And it's, I mean, it's crazy, but it works. So it's like, it's little hacks, but everybody kind of slowly starts learning them and you do start seeing, I mean, whether some people think it's dumb or not, I would say I've learned a ton of stuff from TikTok. Okay, let's jump into chapter one, the American dream in China. <laughs> so by dance, uh, they were quoted in this documentary. They said, we want to become the information platform that understands you best. They use the comparison. Uber matches people to cars. We match people to information. And that was from Totiao, right? You got it. I got it. Finally. Got it. Headlines is, I guess, the, tra the translation. Yes. And so China operates a separate internet, internet uh, from the rest of the world, completely cordoned off. I think that's pretty well known now. So YouTube and Facebook are banned in China. Uh, TikTok is not, but it's not necessarily TikTok. I mean, yeah, it's the same tool, but it's got some nuances to it, right? Right. And again, it's Douyin. Douyin. Yeah. Oh, so they don't use tough. TikTok. They use Douyin. Right. But it's got the same logo. Yeah. Now it's, it's important to note that there is, you know, there's some speculation depends on where you fall on this one. This is where you get into some controversial discussions, but the do yen version of TikTok in China does have a little bit of propaganda. It's kind of a little bit different uh, way to dish out the content than you might see in the United States. And now ByteDance even has its own internal party committee that's dedicated to following and employing the teachings of the CCP or the Chinese communist party. Now, as we mentioned, TikTok's not banned in China, but uh, it it while it's not banned in China, it's available under this different name. Yeah, and we'll be covering some of those differences here in just a little bit. So again, the key to TikTok is this powerful algorithm, as Chrysula has been experiencing quite often using the app. It's it's very, very accurate. And so they're using this artificial intelligence, the machine learning, the big data on and on. And they, pr they produce this personalized and, um, you know, b basically a very individualized experience, depending upon your, how long you watch a video, whether or not you tap on something. Um, and in, in China, they've got some nuances too, that I, I think have been banned in other countries in terms of search and, and how just how much biometrics are being used. So, you know, they're, they're building this online social network that <laughs> some people would say is unnecessary and a video can go viral based on really the content alone. So there's no need for a bit of building out a social network followers. That doesn't matter. You can literally just log in, create some video and it can go viral if the content is good. And again, the more the AI learns about you, the more accurate that predictive equation can be. So how is it different? Well, the videos are much shorter and the AI has more data to learn. So you can go through, I don't know, how many videos can you crank through in 30 minutes, Chrysula? I don't even want to know. <laughs> Probably <laughs> you don't way admit. too many. And that's all it needs compared to YouTube where maybe you watch a long episode of Joe Rogan or something. Uh, I don't want to say that that's me or not, but I might. <laughs> and they've only got data on me for one five-hour video. So... Again, what's wrong with this personalized content? Because it's so accurate, it can become dangerous because you get you get hooked into it so much so that you lose sense of reality. So Crystal, how do you feel about this TikTok algorithm and just how good it is at understanding you and your behaviors and interests? 
I think it can be a little scary of how quick it can just learn you and know everything about you and customizing all these videos just for you. But I do sometimes like it because again, like you're watching videos you actually are enjoying. Sometimes I do find tons of comedy or like enjoyment out of watching TikTok videos. And then of course, you know, there's a double-edged sword or maybe you're spending hours or you're buying all these things. So I think you really have to just be careful and be aware of it, that you're aware that this is customized for you. But I would say I like it, that it is for me because it's like I'm spending more time on it because of that reason specifically. I like what I'm watching. But I also think for other people too, you have to be really careful because it can shift what people are thinking or maybe judgments or things like that or younger kids who are on it. You of course have to be careful. So I think just awareness is like the best thing you can have when you're on social media. You just can't let them necessarily outsmart you because maybe they are doing it already somehow. But I think most people don't have that awareness. So you just need to kind of have that with your algorithm while you're going through that feed knowing, yeah, this is customized for you, but just be cautious of that. I have never downloaded the app. Do you find a lot of advertising on there? Mm, more so lately than I like than it used to when I first downloaded it. But again, I'm not on it as much as I used to be. But I'm trying to think if I see, I mean, a lot of it can be like content creators talking about specific things or products or things like that. It does seem more organic though than Instagram sometimes. Instagram's ads, because I feel like there's a lot of paid partnerships or influencers are specifically doing something with their products. But I feel like TikToks, they will say like sponsored or the whole video will be an ad itself. And sometimes they're good ads. Let's take a quick break for this message from our sponsor. Are you tired of big tech spying on you? MySudo is the world's only all-in-one app that gives you back control of your privacy. By creating digital profiles or pseudos, you can compartmentalize your online activities by setting up a unique phone number, email address, and handle for things like shopping, accessing free content, and using dating apps. This breaks the data trail linking back to your personal info, thus reducing your digital exhaust. Each pseudo also includes a private web browser with ad and tracker blocker. Want to stop companies from sharing data related to your transactions and spending habits? Set up a MySudo virtual card and bring peace of mind that your transactions are secure and private. To learn more, visit MySudo.com. That's MySudo.com. Stay private. All right, so we're going to jump into chapter two. It's called Addicts and Algorithms. So we discussed in an earlier episode around surveillance capitalism and about how Pokemon Go craze and even other social media apps really utilize a strong engagement model and have really addictive qualities in getting and keeping users inside their products. Because the longer someone is inside and using your product, the more money you're making. But it really just seems like TikTok has just nailed down the formula and is just capitalizing on it. Um, you briefly, Rich, you mentioned Totiao or the headlines app that ByteDance launched in 2012. And it had people using it for over an hour per session is what they were finding out. So people were obviously super hooked. So they figured, why stop at news and information? Let's create a new app for short videos, like you mentioned. So TikTok and the Chinese Douyin version have almost the same interface, but they are completely separate and they have no access to each other's content. Douyin's features are also more advanced than TikTok's apparently. So for example, users can search for more videos via a facial recognition. Um, I'm pretty sure they had some sort of lawsuit against them for that. Um, but something interesting that I think people should think about more closely is that China's version of TikTok offers a child-friendly version with educational videos and even a time limit. And that isn't even offered in the US um, or TikTok for the other countries. 
Um, I sort of think, is it just a coincidence that they're receiving more enlightening and educational videos and ours are seeing dances, cats and terrible challenges <laughs> sort of gives them an edge with their citizens, I think, sort of dumbing down the competition in a way. But aside from those differences, what's the same? It's what you mentioned, that powerful algorithm. It's not built around your social network. You don't have to search or follow people. You just open the app, start swiping all while, all while the algorithm is insanely quickly just learning and getting to know you at an unbelievable pace to curate what to show you and what will keep you in the app. And psychologists have said that the algorithm has sort of that same effect as a slot machine in a casino. That never ending scroll effect actually tricks your brain into not knowing when to stop using the app. Douyin apparently has that time limit feature built in, but I think it's just up to TikTok users to set their own screen time limits at that point, since we don't have that feature, if you really want to try to control that urge. They even added a feature um, that you have to double tap to get out of the app, making it just a step harder to leave. Is that right, Chrisula? It's not on my iPhone. It's like, I'll just swipe out of it if I want to. Okay. So I'm not sure what feature they've added, but they tried to sort of give an extra little step to get people to back out of things. But um, so from the beginning, TikTok knew how vital content creators were for the app's success. So they actually came up at the very beginning with a five-part plan to get content creators onto the app. So the first one is to lower the barrier to entry. They made built-in editing functions that made posting videos ridiculously easy. The second one was challenges. We've all heard of the challenges around there. So I'll get into challenges with chapter five, and they're super interesting. But these are those, you know, ice bucket challenges or choreographed dances that are easy to replicate. And then with number three, it was give them a taste of fame on other platforms like YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. It's apparently really hard to beat the algorithm and get noticed. But on TikTok, they've basically they guaranteed you to get that sort of hit of dopamine and blow you up if you want to be a content creator. Um, and number four to get content creators was they wanted to bribe the top talent. So TikTok actually started out by paying influencers to post in addition to promising to make them famous. TikTok also was able to manipulate the algorithm to show their content more frequently. And the last one that they really hit on at the very beginning was nurturing relationships. So content creators with TikTok had account managers to take care of them sort of in that beginning. And they even invited some to their offices to make videos and content. So I'm not sure if this is probably even still the case. They don't need it. So it just seems like people manage everything just fine on their own, their own now. So they don't need that. But as a starting plan for getting content creators into their app, it obviously worked. Chrisula, do you find the app more addicting than other platforms you use? Or do you have content creator friends that feel that way that it's easier to become big? I will say yes, TikTok is very addicting. I think it's just what app you're on the most. I think if you're on TikTok, like TikTok, you can be on it the most like for the longest periods of time. But if I'm on Instagram more, sometimes like I'll kind of get caught up in the reels, but I don't really go to Instagram for watching reels. Like I like just going through my feed and looking at my friends posts and things like that. Not as much reels and ads and things like that. Or if I want to watch reels, I'll go straight to TikTok more just to kind of watch the actual videos. But I will say like I've had some friends blow up. Yeah. On TikTok and things like that, or they'll get tons of followers and just overnight, it's just kind of crazy. I think it's more so your goal because I do think it's really easy. Like you can blow up on TikTok. I mean, I think of course you can on Instagram reels too, but I also feel like Instagram reels are basically TikTok videos and then they just post them on Instagram. Like 
a couple days later. So it's like you've pretty much already have seen them on TikTok and you're just re-seeing them on Instagram. I don't know if a lot of other people feel like that, but that's oh, what that's I feel me. Like. That's the only way I've seen TikTok is I'm like, <laughs> they're on Instagram. That's how I've seen them. Well, that's what's kind of funny, too, because all these people who are like, oh, I don't want TikTok, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you literally are on TikTok just with reels. Reels are TikToks. I've got a barrier. I feel safer. I haven't downloaded the app <laughs> into my life. And that's I have, you know, I get to shut it off. I don't, you know, I do see people just getting stuck True. in it. That's your you workaround. Know? So yep. it's smarter, I guess, on that regard. But it's kind of funny <laughs> if you have both, you know, you don't want to yeah. keep constantly rewatching them. Correct. But well, I do think most people feel that same thing. Like TikTok can be the most addictive for sure if you're on it. So I think honestly, like you're right, Reels and Instagram has become like a barrier. So if you kind of want to slowly ease your way out of TikTok, <laughs> just start watching them on Instagram, I guess. What, what a back back to the um i guess the metaphor that sarah was talking about with the casino because mm-hmm. they they you know you go in a casino you don't see the exits right it's just no clocks you're yep. lost you're just there and so you lose track of time do you do you feel like the way the interface is with tiktok is built so that you don't really think about the other navigation options and it's just scroll 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 I'm sure. I mean, of course, I don't want to think like that. They're just trying to make it like a slot. Analyze your behavior right (laughs) now. Yeah, exactly. But I do think that. I mean, it's very addictive. Like you said, it's personalized just for you. How can you not stay on it when you're just constantly watching videos that you know will make you laugh or you know you're going to find use out of it or you know you're going to learn something? Like you could get stuck on it for hours. And I really sort of feel the same way with Instagram because that's me. You know, I said I don't have TikTok, but I there are times where all of a sudden I'll look up and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've been doing this for an hour because they're engaging. They're funny. It's sort of giving me that feel good just to zone out for the day. But I think it's like we've talked about those differences is like the power that TikTok has and how fast things are happening, because I think Instagram, obviously, there's longer videos, you know, there's just. I don't know. There's something there's something different about it. It's just more powerful. It feels like over in TikTok. It's mm-hmm. like even though I'm still sucked in over here for an hour, you know, if there's much difference, then if I'm over here on an hour, she's over there for an hour. We're both just wasted an hour equally. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and these apps are leading to like insomnia, essentially. Right. You know, yeah. People, you take your phone to, yes. to bed and you're oh, just like yeah. staring at them and you're, it's taking away from sleep. Friend. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> guilty. Totally guilty. <laughs> That's why I said, I think I mentioned when they were here last, I started reading. That's like my way to get me off of social media so often. It just, it's like she said, find something else to do. She's been so busy. She hasn't been on it as much. I found a book club, you know, it's just find something that gets you, you feel like you have a little bit more control. You're like, oh, let me check in, but I'd rather be reading, you know? So I still get to do my check-in, but I'm not there for two hours. I'm reading for two hours and I feel better about that. (laughs) Anything but that blue light. Yes. All right, let's go into chapter three, going global, a marketing class. So I guess this really gets into, yeah, how did, how did Douyin or ByteDance take this app, which became TikTok worldwide? So first they, they poached lots of the top employees from rivals like Facebook and YouTube. They offered them higher wages. Uh, number two, they paid top influencers from Facebook and YouTube to come and post on TikTok. But eventually the celebrities just started joining on their own, of course, as you had this network effect and the app starts blowing up. They poured billions of dollars, that's with a B, into running ads, which I think is ingenious, right? They ran ads on Facebook and YouTube, stealing some of their user base away. And then, of course, over time, then they didn't really have to do that anymore. They also, I believe, and I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself too, but they essentially leverage those creators, I guess their content really to essentially use that as the advertising material. And then, right. They didn't have to create their own videos. They just they, paid for the placement. Yeah. They played for Cause I guess it's in the privacy policy that they can do with your videos, what you want. So they used them for mm-hmm. ads. 
Yeah. And then there was also, I guess this was in China, right? So they had some questionable promotion techniques. They literally would open up the iPhone boxes, open up the phones, unseal them, and literally uh, load the TikTok app onto the phones. Or I guess in this case, it was a Douyin. Or were they loading TikTok on there? I, I, yeah, I I'm pretty sure that was Douyin that they were doing yeah. that in. Yep. And they and, just reseal them and back seal up. seal them back up. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, like no, no, no issues there. Uh, and then the ability to share TikTok videos on other social platforms, that was another one. So the watermark always present in the videos. And yeah, so that's like, what we were talking about. Yeah. That's how I've seen them. They're over on Instagram, but I will always see that TikTok watermark. Yeah. Yep. Just kind of so like I know where it came around. from. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm not over there, but that's I'm seeing all the same stuff. And it's surprising that the platforms didn't didn't look into that or stop. I guess they were just surprised by the the how quickly TikTok rose to to prominence. Right. So the TikTok editing also, I think you mentioned some of this earlier too. It's just so easy, right? I don't know, Crystal, have you ever used uh, the app to create a video? I don't really make videos myself, but I've like helped my little cousin one time, and I was looking at how easy it was. I was like, this is kind of fun. Like if you like making videos and content. Which I'll kind of make my own stuff on like iMovie or things like that. But it is really easy if you really wanted to. Curious about that just because on Instagram, I've I've tried reels and it is I just couldn't figure it out. And I'm like, is that just because I'm I'm getting old and I can't figure this out? But I was like, I had a hard time editing it. So when I heard TikToks is so much easier, I'm like, oh, God, it's like another one of those temptations. Don't pull me over there. I don't want to know Probably it's easier. why everyone like <laughs> you're seeing all those videos of TikToks right yeah. on Instagram. People make it in TikTok. It's so much easier to make. Yeah. Yep. Make it in TikTok and send it to Instagram. Yeah. Wow. And don't you have to be 13 is the minimum age to be on TikTok, yeah. right? But yeah, I think we talk about that in one of these chapters, just yeah. about the age things. But I mean, they're not verifying how old you are. So. Right. No, and it's not hard for a kid to go in and just change their age. It's yeah. not like they can check that. Yeah, I think we'll uh, be touching on that. And like, ch- I think it's chapter eight. Okay. And then their strategy also in the beginning was to target highly dense cities like in India. And then they paid micro influencers and guaranteed fame. So there's a little bit of this kind of gaming the system. It, it, it's similar to, again, when you go to a Vegas and you play the slot machine, those slots are designed to pay out a little bit once in a yeah. while to get you. Because if you're in. just always losing, you're not going to keep yeah. playing. Yeah. And they paid celebs, you know, up to a million dollars to download and use. And then once Arnold Schwarzenegger joined, <laughs> yeah, it was I think like that's game what they over. mentioned. Yeah. So they were just sitting around all of a sudden they're like, Arnold Schwarzenegger has joined. <laughs> and they just sort of knew they made it. <laughs> And then, of course, I mentioned earlier, they bought Musical.ly and they merged them now uh, together with the app. Now, Musical.ly, I guess, is just it, it's basically royalty free music. Is that how that works? I believe that's what it was. But I think once they merged that and that's, you know, all the dance challenges and that was from the get go. Because I've heard that's one of the I guess one of the perks of using TikTok is you just the music library is there. You don't have to go look somewhere else for it. It's just you select your music, create your video, right. you're done. Yep. Musically too, it used to be a lot of just people would re-sing over these songs and things like that. That's how I remember Musically. I don't think I ever had one looking back, but I remember seeing videos of like friends, younger siblings making these videos. They just kind of sing these songs like they were actually singing it, but the voice, it looked like it, you know, so it was kind of, oh, I, I guess remember that. the beginning of sucking people in. I mean, it was similar like Dub Smash and all those apps were kind of coming out. So it makes sense how TikTok just came in and just dominated Swooped all of those. In. And then the biggest reason for growth, right? The lockdowns, COVID right. started and then people have all this additional time and there are some people who are spending eight plus hours. Oh, we oh. even saw doctors getting in on it, right? We saw them doing. So Chrisula, when did you, when did you get into TikTok? When did you first download it? 
Mine was, I got it when it was the pandemic for sure. Like I kind of fell in that bandwagon (laughs) with everybody, but at first I didn't really want to get it because all my friends were constantly talking about it. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I want to get sucked in. Don't be a follower. That's what I did with Instagram. I like refuse. (laughs) I know. But then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing it. And then I was obsessed with it during the pandemic, constantly on it. That was really when I was fully on I feel like TikTok and probably those statistics you were saying earlier Sarah I was like that was probably me during yeah that it sounds yeah it sounds like during the lockdown they were saying people were opening the app at least eight times a day and on it for five to eight hours I was like okay we're all still working right like I don't know what people are doing we're locked down but we're still working but do you feel like during the pan you were on it way more probably this sounds about right oh for sure yeah was it competing with school <laughs> well, I mean, school was online, right? So you could be doing oh, this goodness. both at the same time. <laughs> doing a dance while, you know, filling out some math homework. <laughs> Yikes. All right, let's take a quick break for this message from our sponsor. The global average cost of a data breach is nearly $4.5 million, but that's viewing it from a liability perspective. Today, privacy is a value proposition for software providers. When you develop a reputation for protecting customers' personal information, you don't just acquire new customers, you make them loyal. And Pseudo Platform is the world's premier cloud platform for providing developers with a menu of enterprise-ready SDKs and APIs that make integrating privacy solutions into your software so easy. Built for developers by developers, from identity wallets and password managers to virtual cards and secure encrypted communications, Pseudo Platform has you covered. Go to market quickly with a privacy platform that is scalable, flexible, and secure. To learn more, visit pseudoplatform.com. That's pseudoplatform.com. All right, chapter four, TikTok versus the world. So in 2019, we mentioned India banned TikTok for spreading explicit content. And before it was outlawed, India had 200 million TikTok users. And even though it was banned after the fact, they still had around 100 million app installs in 2020. So they assumed that the majority of people were using TikTok in India before the ban and using a VPN service to get around it. Yeah, and... They also just sort of digging into this, you know, versus the world. I think this is where we started hearing a lot of negativity coming out about TikTok. Somebody said on Reddit that they post reverse engineered the app and they did find it was just data collecting. So TikTok's, you know, denied it a lot, but they are like, well, we reverse engineered your app and this is what we're finding. But I was listening to a recent Joe Rogan podcast where he had read TikTok's terms of service and it's actually frightening to hear what users are so willingly or probably, you know, naively giving up. Nobody's reading those, but this is sort of what was in it. It was saying in the privacy policy, we collect IP address, user mobile carrier, time zone, model of device, network type, device ID, screen resolution. Not sure why they'd need that. App file names and types. So any app files on your phone, not related to TikTok. Keystroke patterns and rhythms. Battery state. They're linked to your audio. And what was sort of creepy is they said they were connected to devices where you log in from. So it's not even that you're on your phone, but other devices you log in from with TikTok. And they also use other computers you don't even use to log into TikTok to suck your data off of that. That's intense. Their privacy policy. I just it's one of those that they're just sort of relying on people not to read that. 
That's I, intense. Yeah, it is. And I, I don't know if you mentioned cameras or not, but I remember somewhere right. in the video. A, they I said always they feel were, like those are the standard that everybody Yeah, has, they've right? got access to that too, probably. Yeah. And it just seems like once they were accused of stealing users' data, it was just sort of this domino effect. And governments around the world were raising concerns about what are, what data are they collecting and what are they doing with it? So, yeah. So the U.S. government, they began a review of the platform and they were looking into just the, the serious risk exposure that uh, individuals have as, as well as government. So one of the quotes was, it's surveillance software for Chinese government. Another quote, it's a Trojan horse. And then a third quote is, it's circumventing Apple's privacy policies. Now, even though it circumvented its own privacy too, I think there was a part in there where they were talking about, uh, there are certain keywords that if you type in, it kind of, I guess it, it, there's a policy in TikTok. Maybe if it's something like suicide prevention or whatever, you get whatever that they had predetermined. But if you type something a little bit differently or the, the spelling is just a little bit off, somehow that allows you to circumvent and you can get other videos that you normally would not, you know, you should not be getting. So there are question marks about how serious, I guess, in general, TikTok and ByteDance were about being on top of monitoring content and just being good moderators, which is completely opposite of what you've probably seen on other platforms like Facebook and YouTube, where you say anything that's just not in line with establishment thinking and you're gone, right? Right. Deplatformed. So Trump was going to ban, uh, put a ban on TikTok in the U.S. And then there was this series of events that just, it, it's kind of funny to right. follow, right? They there, had a couple different interested U.S. buyers. That was his, that was his condition. It had to be a U.S. buyer. Yeah. And so there's, they continue to offer these different things. But one of them, I think even culminated in, there was supposed to be some payment to the treasury department or something. I see. Yeah. I've so never he, seen that. he kept trying to negotiate and at each point it kept falling apart. And so in the end there, I guess, I, I forgot exactly how it ended, but yeah, I think it, they were just sort of like, oh, we can't wait until Biden gets in because they thought they would yeah. just be like, it all go away. But then Biden actually ended up signing an executive order for deeper investigation. So I don't think it, there's been a ban yet, but that threat still looms. Yeah. And of course, yeah, the, the main concern is, too, as I mentioned earlier, there is this connection to the CCP. So if any company, if you look at the history in China, any company of repute, if you're if you've got some size, you're going to be connected. I mean, back when we were with Jack Ma and Alibaba, he was, you know, Jack Ma was kind of mouthing off a little bit, not, you know, towing the line with the, the CCP. And all of a sudden he disappeared. Oh, geez. He was just gone and nobody knew where he was. I mean, he's a multi, multi-billionaire, right? And um, you haven't really heard much from him since. I mean, he's been on public, but he's kind of kept a low profile, right? Mm-hmm. So he had a, he had a talking to. So there, the worries have prompted the U.S. government to ban TikTok from official devices. You're hearing this, I guess, at the state level, too. I think even Utah, yeah, we right? Brought, we brought that up like a month or so, or so ago. The Utah did the same thing. They jumped on board. Yeah. And TikTok is also facing bans in universities across the United States. But TikTok states over and over again, they're not a Chinese company. ByteDance is. And there's even been hearings, I guess, on Capitol Hill where you, you it's kind of funny watching the wordsmithing going yeah, back and forth. Yeah, a lot of forth. semantics going on. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like there was one, I think, video where Ted Cruz is asking some official at ByteDance, are you a <laughs> subsidiary of this company that is based in China? It's like, I can't answer that question, sir. Yeah. And it just goes on and on, right? These right. games, which ultimately gets back to where is this data? Where is it going? You know, facial recognition, all the biometrics. What is being done with the data? Is it really just an innocent app just for people to have fun? Or is there some other motive or ulterior purpose going on? So finally, they quote, we collect the data to better understand you, but not for the Chinese government. 
take it for what you will. So in that Rogan podcast I mentioned, he had Adam Curry on and he was talking about how there's reason to believe that big tech companies like Facebook, Amazon and Google are the ones trying to out TikTok and make them seem like public enemy number one, because TikTok is taking their engagements, taking over their industries and becoming bigger than they expected. For the stats to say that TikTok will take over Meta by 2027, they're definitely starting to feel a little bit threatened. So I'll have more to say about that in chapter seven next time. But once you break down what TikTok is doing and where they're heading, it's not that crazy of a theory to think big tech could be sort of blowing up these stories to sort of villainize TikTok because honestly, they're all collecting our data in so many ways. I mean, look at the Metapixel connecting with our healthcare, you know, that we talked about. So they're just sort of the pot calling the kettle black at this point, but it's interesting to see who may be behind it. Yeah, it is a fun topic. Are you are you getting more paranoid, Dr. Sula? Maybe a little bit. Remember, she said she can't live without her social media. It's not going anywhere. You can't, but I think <laughs> from a Gen Z's perspective, like you hear all these statistics and it's scary. It absolutely is scary because you just, whatever ignorance is bliss, I think is what everybody has when they're going through their phone. But I think it's awareness. Like you do need to be aware that this is like the situation. How many hours do you actually want to spend on it? Do you actually want to be buying all these things? Like have that awareness and then choose. Stay busy if like you need to to like create other things that you can be doing. Or maybe if you know that they're recording you, put like a camera cover on your phone. Just I think it's like a balance. Maybe if you're going to still use it, just try to use it smarter and safer. Yeah, we sort of say that with all the home devices we'll get into in a couple episodes. Just sort of like... It's fine to use it if you're making that consent, you know, like that's my informed consent. I'm aware of what's happening. I've right. made that choice and then try to do it in a safe way. And it's it's interesting, too, given the recent events the last couple of weeks with the spy balloon. Right? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I wonder if that has changed people's minds a little bit more who might have said, oh, you know, you're just yeah, you're, you're just overblowing. It's exaggeration. But now with you're spy just paranoid. For, it's like, well, now everybody's seeing. Does that change your mind at all? I think a little bit. It does make me want to pull back. Like when you were saying all the privacy things you agree to, no one reads those, you know, they just click accept. But I think if they straight up saw everything that they had access to, I think a lot more people would be more reserved. They're just not because again, ignorance is bliss. They're just clicking except. Yeah. Nobody has time to read those. Yeah. Never yeah. do. Nope. Well, cool. Yeah. This was a controversial topic for sure, depending on which <laughs> side you are, but it's, it's a topic that needs to be approached nonetheless because, you know, privacy concerns are, um, I think a pretty serious element to the whole TikTok app and just what exactly is going on with, with ByteDance in general. Cause they did come out of nowhere. Yeah, a lot of times you see these oh, apps, yeah. like, like you mentioned before, the Pokemon Go, that craze just kind of came out of nowhere. And then yep. we find out it had its roots in, you know, yeah. Department of Defense, CIA. Yep. So, Sarah Crisula, any closing thoughts before we wrap up part one? I mean, I think I just said it again with like Gen Z. Just try to be careful. Be aware of what you're actually agreeing to and have that consent be from you. Just make sure it is coming from you. Like you said, Sarah, I think that's like the best thing you can do. Right. Yeah, I'm glad we had you on just to give a little bit of that perspective. Like I said, I haven't downloaded it. Rich doesn't use it. So, you know, I'm a little more tempted, but I may just, you know, if somebody already has it downloaded, I'll just use your phone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Crystal. I appreciate you helping us out. And uh, I guess this TikTok story is uh, there's still more to, to come. Yeah, I'm excited for the next episode. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. In our next episode, Sarah and I will continue our examination of TikTok and try to answer the ultimate question. Is your data safe while using this app? Until next time, don't forget, privacy is a human right.